0: Good morning, everybody. Great to have you company on the Big Sports Breakfast. Benway here alongside Laurie Daly and Michael Clark, taking you through the morning. And boy, oh boy, do we have some good guests. Can't wait to have a chat to everyone coming on today. Evan Priest is going to talk golf plenty on the golfing front. No doubt about that. Adam Pengilly on to talk rugby league. Hard to believe, but up at the Broncos, the two-man brawl became a five-man stacks on Overnight, I don't think there'll be too much more come of that, but a story that developed somewhat into yesterday afternoon. Adrian Bott, it feels as though the Bott Waterhouse stable have a cast of thousands when it comes to the two year old aspirants for those feature races. The Golden Slipper, first and foremost, at the front of our mind, no doubt, and they have options of plenty on that front. Jared Daffy to talk markets, and I can't wait to speak to it. Luke Brooks from Manly and Shane Flanagan from the Dragons as well. And I'm sorry to those that live here in Sydney, but you've got an Adelaide boy hosting the show, albeit for only a couple of days. So with that in mind, Luke Nankurvis from the Adelaide Crows is going to come on a little bit later on. middle will give me the flick soon enough, but that's okay. He's back tomorrow anyway. Loz, how was your evening?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Benny. Uh, didn't do a great deal. Uh, watched a bit of... Um Marsh Cup cricket yesterday afternoon. Yes. I, I had it on in the background, and I just sort of looked, and all of a sudden, I saw a, a batsman who I sort of haven't sort of heard a lot of just tear New South Wales apart, and he was just smoking them yesterday, a bloke by the name of Tom Rogers. He scored 196 off 142 balls at North Sydney Oval. Now, New South Wales went on and won that game, um, and Dan Hughes scored 100, but... I don't know whether Pup knows much about him, but, Geez he nope. can hit a ball. Yep. Unbelievable innings. Morning, Zachy. I know North Sydney Oval is not the biggest of ground. Yeah, it's Kitty's ground. But they were losing wickets around him. <laughs> yeah, he played beautifully. And he just smashed the ball. Yeah, he, he, Clean he, striker.
2: He hit the ball straight early in his mm. innings, which at North Sydney, because the ground is tiny. It's it's, like I say, Kitty's boundaries. But the key there uh, early in your innings is to hit as straight as you can until you get used to conditions. And once you're in there, you can yeah, you can score as many runs as you like. Yeah, no uh, no total is safe batting first at North Sydney. You feel like you can chase – if you had to chase 500. Oh, they would just like you can launching chase like yeah. nearly
1: every ball of every He looks a good player, though. You're right.
2: Nice and balanced. Looked pretty good early in his innings as well, defence-wise. Yeah. Yeah, that was, was a really good 100 and then a, and a good chase from New South Wales as well. Um, Husey, once again, he continues to score score plenty of runs for New South Wales. But, yeah, it's um as we've spoken about on here, Loz, there's so much talent in Australia. Mm. There's just a new name or a new face that just comes up, you know, from under-17s or under-19s and gets an opportunity and, and grabs hold of it. So, yeah, another batsman that we'll be keeping an eye on that, probably end up playing for Australia sooner rather than later.
0: Loz, I'll put this to you first because I think Clarkie will will know the answer. I reckon you're half a chance, especially based on the match that you watched yesterday. Mm -hmm. So the most Australian one-day domestic hundreds ever. Okay? Yep. The list is topped with 20. Eight clear of next best. So think of a player – in fact, the list is filled with players who probably sh- should have played more national cricket than they did. So that's a bit of a hint. But I'll give you number one as Brad Hodge All right. on twenty. Yeah. Bevan? Bevan, will discuss in what two was, Sorry, what was your question? Most, f- Most Australian one-day domestic hundreds. Domestic hundreds. Now, it's relevant based on yesterday's game. Yeah, okay. Clearly, uh, the answer yeah, you touched, you touched on isn't yeah, one. I see where yeah, you're going okay. with this. Number yeah. 12, Michael Klinger. So another very good one-day cricketer that, but remember with these stats, the Australian players don't play. No, well I've already okay. I've no, already no, I'm, I'm on your team. I'm <laughs> on your
2: team. I'm just, I'm just referencing, especially in the past twenty-five, thirty years, like before, before I started. If I ever go back to '99 when I started, you played a lot more shield cricket yep. and domestic cricket. These days and club cricket as well. These days. You play If you play one
0: game for your state a year, it's a miracle. Well, the list is definitely riddled with players who were better than one day domestic. Yeah. But they spent too much time there yeah. because they weren't in the Couldn't national in the so team. So Brad Hodge is one. Yeah. Michael Clark. So he's Michael on 20. Klinger. Michael, Michael Klinger. <laughs> sorry, Michael Clark. Michael <laughs> Klinger is on 12. Yep. Callum Ferguson, 11. Equal third now with Daniel Hughes. Who I reckon is one of the most yeah. slept-on cricketers in Australia. Honestly, yeah, he's been figuratively, not literally, yeah. <laughs> but 11 centuries, so he's third on the one-day domestic all-time list. Then, when you go through the highest batting average in men's Australian one-day domestic matches, your man Michael Bevan, sixty-one point one eight. Lots of not-outs though. Genius, Second ben on man. that list for players who played ten or more is Daniel Hughes, fifty-nine point eight eight. Yeah, remarkable the bloke record. is one of the best 50-over cricketers in Australia And has been for yeah. a while
2: Yeah, he's been He usually is good, good in all formats
0: um, He's
1: been consistent the last couple of years, hasn't he? I, Obviously all I his I reckon career, probably the last that, years. But the last couple yeah. of years He's just been bang, bang, bang
2: Yeah, well, he's been spoken about There's no doubt about it But yeah, if you if you look at his performances um, It's a little bit like Michael Nisa You know, if, if these guys got an opportunity in any format that you, you couldn't you couldn't disrespect mm. that decision, like, by the selectors. You'd say, yeah, they've earned their right." So, Husey, again, I was I was, I was watching him back yesterday. He, he just, he's at that stage of his career. He just knows his game so well, mm. knows what to do, knows how to win a game, knows how to set it up as an opening batsman. Um, yeah, if, again, but I, I think that's that's been the point for Australian cricket for a long time, and that's why we have high expectations because you could pick one of... Oh, If I'm being harsh, you could pick one of five guys, but you could really pick one of ten guys to walk into, certainly in one-day cricket and 2020 cricket, to go play at the next level, and you wouldn't be worried about them. They'd be able to walk out and score runs, Uh, certainly in Australian conditions. Then their challenge would be for someone like Hughesy. okay, now we're going to go and play a one-day series in Sri Lanka or in India or in England, and then you've got to be able to adapt. But, yeah, they... We've got guys making runs and taking wickets in domestic cricket that are certainly good enough to play at the
1: next level. Given Michael Hussey didn't play a lot of test cricket until he was
0: old, I think three he managed to boo Well, as in he's not in the top four. Yeah.
1: Mm.
2: But no. I but Hus, Hus batted, again, if you look through that, I would imagine... Is that short form hundreds or one day hundred? You said list day, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So...
0: Yeah, Huss, but fifty over.
2: Yeah, fifty. Yeah. yeah, Huss batted middle order, I think, for WA as well in one day cricket. Huss would have
0: a lot of fifty pluses. Yeah, I reckon. And the not outs help Michael Bevan too. So the average, uh, it's a bit unfair to say this over time, but his is probably a touch inflated to a Dan Hughes. So he's 61.18, Dan Hughes 59.88. And Steve Smith's actually third on the list of 59.03. And just on yeah. Steve Smith, uh, there's a, he's making headlines, but uh, it's none of his doing. So we've got a 15-man squad to be named for that T20 World Cup. Yep. And when you look at the list... Steve Smith might struggle to scrape in. Well, but they've picked him for
2: they've picked him in the 2020 squad to go to New Zealand, haven't they? Yeah. So that that surprised me to be honest because mm. I think uh, my mindset going on just past would be the squad you take to New Zealand to play the last two T20s before the World Cup you would assume would be your World Cup squad or close to your World Cup squad. Mm. So I thought if they weren't gonna pick him for the World Cup, he wouldn't go to New Zealand. So yeah, maybe maybe it's one of those ones that are up in the air. Um, but what I don't what I'd hate to see, and they did this before the last World Cup, there's no point taking a Steve Smith to New Zealand if he's not gonna play. No. You know what you get. And he's got enough commitments. Mate, he doesn't need to travel when he's not playing. But you know what you get as well with Smitty. You know where if he's going to play one twenty twenty cricket, I think he's got to open the batting now. You know he didn't get picked up in the IPL um, when he's played in Australia in the B Bill. He's done very well, so I, I think you know what you get with Steve Smith. So he's either in or he's or he's not on the tour, in my opinion. I don't think you need to. Mm. You know, take him to New Zealand. World Cup might be different. You might have him in the squad in case there's an injury or because he plays spin very well or if you're unsure about, you know, certain play. But to New Zealand for these two 2020s, yeah. you're better off taking Fraser McGurk, for example, and let him play. But, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think it sounds like Smitty certainly wants to be a part of that World Cup campaign.
0: He'd be um, hard to say no to. Uh,
2: If it was one-day cricket, no-brainer. He's in. 2020 cricket, I think that's the only format right now that, you know,
0: um, he's going to have to fight for his spot. Mm. Hey, Loz, we'll move on from the cricket in two ticks, but do you know who scored the most runs across all three formats across the Australian summer at national level? At national level? Head? Uh, Well, his three or four ducks to finish didn't help him. So he was up there, but no. Marsh. Uh, He was second. Top of the list was Warner. Mm, So for those who are keen to move on, just remember he's still topping the list, even at this ripe old age. Hey, I did see a little bit of rugby league news, and we'll touch on the headlines in two seconds across the papers across Australia. But a little bit of advice for league players who are heading over to Vegas. They've had a a sit down, Mm. a little bit of discussion and I guess some advice on how they should behave over there. So the headline reads from sex, drugs and alcohol to scammers, NRL players looking to enjoy Las Vegas have been told they have plenty to worry about. It's, it's developed from your days. There are more things to worry about now. Oh, most definitely there is. Yeah. Mm. Um,
1: And this is a big project from the NRL, so I know and understand that they don't want anything to go wrong. But surely the players are well aware too of what can happen if they start to go outside the boundaries that they're allowed. So I think they'd be on a tight leash. I think there'll be security with them. I wouldn't expect to be too many um, dramas over there. Um, I I don't think they're going to say to the guys, righto boys, out you go, you can go and do your own thing. I think it'll be all done as a group. I think if they have a beer, they'll have it together. Um, Because you don't want to lock them up either. You want them to enjoy the experience. And I think there's only one team staying in Vegas the whole time. I think three teams are coming in late the day before and then going the day after. So it'll be more about that day after or
0: that night after the game that they'll have to be very careful. Off the back of yesterday's Luke and chat and, of course, the tactics we talked with Bradbury. Mm. Uh, We do have a Paralympian coming on, a former Paralympian who now has a role in coaching at the New South Wales Institute of Sport a little bit later on. So I thought today could have a little bit of an Olympic theme. Yesterday we talked Valentine's, love affairs, uh, moments that you just couldn't remove from your heart and you could watch time and time again. Today, for anyone keen to text in 0419767272, I want to talk fun facts or Olympic memories. So Olympic themed essentially, but anything that when you suddenly think of those rings, your mind just goes to one moment. And I'm sure Bradbury will be at the forefront of many people's Mm. thoughts, but there have been so many remarkable achievements at Olympic level. And that's one that I do want to discuss. Uh, Yesterday, by the way, I I referenced a fun fact that I never actually got to, and that was in regards to the uh, marathon time. Uh, It was 2 hours and 35 seconds, I mentioned. Um, So 2 hours and 35 seconds is 2 minutes 51 per kilometre for a marathon distance. What's that, level 20 on a treadmill? (laughs) On a treadmill. That's what it would be. Right. It might even be more than that. So, So,
2: yeah, you imagine running level 20... Oh, for forty-one k's. It.
0: Well, it's essentially. Oh. I, I can't speak for everyone else out there, but five-minute pace is sort of like your. You run a little bit, so you can what?
2: level twelve. So five most k's are
0: level twelve. Most who know. run a bit, they try to run faster than five-minute pace, yeah. and we're talking two-minute fifty-one. I <laughs> I can't speak for everyone else. Sprinting. I couldn't run it for more than. 150 to 200 metres. Yeah, And they're doing it for a marathon. You're sprinting the entire way. So anyway, feats like that are things that I want to discuss. And I'm sure that plenty of our listeners will have uh, thoughts that immediately spring to mind. And and fun facts, I'd like them verified before they're sent through on the text line. (laughs) Because I don't do this job too often and I do have a habit of reading it. As I'm reading it out loud live on air. So, please, uh, if you're sending fun facts, verify them first. Well, the West Tigers continue to make news, and perhaps they don't want to be, but Nofaluma has come out and had a little bit of a chat. It's been described as raw and uncut, and the tension with Benji certainly addressed. So, the star winger opening up on his relationship with Benji Marshall. I mean, geez, if we had sit-down interviews with every aggrieved oh, past player, honestly, it would... I hate this stuff.
2: It's like, mate, okay, something hasn't gone your way. You're not happy. Mate, I'm sure there's a million players at the club that can tell stories about him as well. I'm sure. So, like, just this is the this is part of sport, part of business, part of life. Like, just cop it, move on. It's best for everyone not spoken. Like, And the media love this as well because now you've got one side. Mm. So what they ideally want is now they want Benji's side. How do we turn a one-day story into a one-week story, into a one-month story? Like, and Benji won't—he'll he, he'll bite his tongue, he'll say nothing, he'll cop this day of criticism. It's gone tomorrow. Oh, this is the part I—it does my head in because everyone's got skeletons. I'm sure it hasn't been rainbows and butterflies on both sides. You know, at the end of the day, it hasn't worked out. You've left the club. You played there for a long time. You had a lot of success there. I'm sure you got a lot of mates there.
0: Just. Say nothing, move on. As record try scorer, you would like to see it end on a better note, but at this stage it's not there, so maybe well, they're best just staying quiet until it does. Hey, I, I saw a yarn on Kirtley Beale considering a, a switch from rugby to rugby league. Thirty five. Um, Los, can we maybe. get your thoughts on <laughs> I'd be tad late that code switch? Mm. Oh, I
1: doubt whether it'd happen. Someone might be prepared to give him a go, but at 35 years of age, when he hasn't played rugby league at that top level, uh, chances of him making a squad would be minimal. Um, I think Kirtley would be better off to stick to rugby union mm. um, because that's a game that he's played for such a long time. Yeah. Um, it's just too cutthroat. I think, I, I Kate, think if Kate Kirtley was going to get an opportunity, it would be in the lower grades, it's, it's not going to be NRL. I think what
2: Kirtley is trying to say was he wants, he, he, he wants to play. He doesn't want to finish football, rugby, league, whatever. He wants to play. Uh, he's obviously had some time out of the game, and he's not done yet. He doesn't want to retire. So if rugby's not going to give him a chance, then he'll find a way through league if he can. He just wants an opportunity. He wants to get back out onto the field. That's uh, that's how I read what Kirtley was saying.
0: Plenty of other news across the Courier-Mail and, of course, the Sydney Morning Herald as well. I didn't mention some of the cricket. Uh, Mark Wood is replacing Bashir in England's only change for the third test against India, starting uh, in Rajkot. Have I pronounced that correctly? Rajkot? Yep. Yep. On Thursday. Let's hope it was. Uh, There's a little bit of Tottenham news as well. I did see in the papers... Many, many mentions across multiple states about South Australian apprentice Chelsea Reynolds. So an update on her. She remains in an induced coma at the Flinders Medical Centre in Adelaide as she receives treatment for those serious injuries sustained in a track work incident on Tuesday. And they were referenced yesterday by um, everyone that came on to talk racing. Uh, Davo at length was talking, and I echo his sentiments from everybody um, here in our radio team and of course at Sky Racing, uh, we're cheering for you Chelsea and we certainly hope to her family and friends yeah, that Chelsea yes. can pull through. That is terrible news. On a racing front, I also saw news that James McDonald is going to be on board Storm Boy and that caused a, a moderate stir uh, because Adam Hieronymus has been on Stormboy, looks the number one seed undoubtedly for the Golden Slipper at this stage. There's a Coolmore Association. Whether it be Moore, whether it be McDonald, the second this horse was part owned by Coolmore, there was more than likely going to switch, be a switch. And Adam Hieronymus knows the game loss.
1: You just took the words out of my mouth. It's the game, Benny. We've seen it happen a number of times. When you get on a good horse, you possibly may not be the rider every time it runs around. Uh, there's deals that are being done um, all the time. Uh, if you ride the horse poorly you might be put off Um, and it's up to the trainer it's up to the owners on who they want to ride that horse they're the ones paying the big dollars yes it's disappointing for the jockey and I'm sure most jockeys have had it happen to them but I'm sure they've also been the beneficiaries of someone being taken off a horse and then being put on a horse so I think it 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 goes uh, just with the territory and while it's disappointing and he's riding great Hieronymus, any time you can have J-Mac on your horse, I think you're in better shape.
0: Well, we may be reading too much into it as well. It's only a trial, but you certainly, where there's smoke, there's fire. He'll pick up rides,
1: Adam Hieronymus. He's riding really well. I I think he's a very, very good rider, and he's doing some really good things for Adrian and Gay. Uh, But unfortunately, the the owners have, have the ultimate say. And they make that decision. And it's disappointing, I'm sure, but you've got to move on. You can't be too disappointed with it.
0: You've just got to ride another horse and hopefully you find a superstar along the way. Now, he's never going to be on a hiding to nothing with Coolmore and that association, but let's not forget as well, I could be wrong here, and feel free to correct me on the text line if I am. But I believe James McDonald was one of the early riders on Stay Inside, who was a short price favourite and ultimately took out a Golden Slipper. But due to his association with Coolmore, he had to ride another horse in the race, so he, he almost he's almost foregone a Golden Slipper. So now, yes, he might get a walk-up start on a Golden Slipper, but it's still gotta around ride it. you
1: still got to yeah, it's still got to win. they still got to perform. Still got to get there on the day. All those type of things can happen, but. Yeah, it's just part of the, the industry. It's part of the game. It's been happening for a long, long time, and it'll continue to happen into the future. Mm.
0: And to Adam, he's an absolute gun. As you mentioned, he yeah. knows the game. He right. rides for Waterhouse and some bot, They could have 400 in the slipper this year, so they're going to have options of plenty, and I'm sure he's going to have a good ride regardless. But uh, it won't be the last good horse he's on, no doubt about that. Good morning, everybody. Great to have you company on the big sports breakfast. We've got Laurie Daly, Michael Clark, and Ben Way with you this morning. Even off air, we just continue to discuss... The marathon record race pace, 2 minute 51 per kilometre for 42.2, if you don't mind. I did see Andy sent through a text and that number 0419767272. I run my local Little Athletics Club. To put that marathon time into perspective, to keep up, it would take 422 10-year-old kids running flat out in a 100-metre relay. So one runs 100 and the next runs 100. And the next run's 100. You couldn't do 200 because you couldn't keep up with the pace. Yeah.
2: I want to know what
0: no. level it is
2: on the treadmill. I want to know uh, if I it, will. Yeah,
0: can you please find that for me? I well, will.
2: I, I just, it made me think – I think the fastest I did a 2K time trial when we had our fitness test, it was 7 minutes 30 for 2Ks. And at the end of the 2Ks, you're, I'm laying on the ground, cooked,
0: can't breathe. So So, um, he's got you by a minute (laughs) per kilometre, and you're doing it for two?
2: I'm doing it for two. He's doing it for 42 42.
0: Ks. Ridiculous. (laughs) I I have asked for fun facts and stories and moments from the Olympics that spring to your mind, similar to yesterday with sporting moments that warm the heart. This time's an Olympic theme, and I did see Eric the Eel has been suggested multiple times. And Eric the Eel will forever (laughs) stick with us. He's near on drowned in the pool but yeah. he's done it in a race Cathy Freeman uh, surely. essentially against himself surely cath for australians it's hard i think Matt. bradbury and Kathy. uh oh, surely cathy's in front of bradbury for, come yes,
2: on i yes come on but love in, love bradbury love the mm. ju- love the story like Kathy it, but that's the thing it is the out story for me. Not the performance, no, just the, the
1: no, suit. the, no, the performance, but, all, but just the suit too. Yeah. The body suit Everything that, that went with it. Sydney yeah. as well. And you can imagine the criticism she would have called oh. if she didn't win oh. in that suit. Yeah. You know, because no one had sort of seen it and expected it. And, um, no one's... The,
0: it the it favorite, hasn't changed the, the game. No, the, the, no, one's won no since. No, no.
1: But they banned <laughs> yeah. them in swimming, didn't they, the suits? Yes. They yeah. banned... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And who was the the, the French, was it the French girl? Was it a French girl that pulled out? Parekh? Marie Parekh? Something like that? It was someone that pulled out out before the Olympics. Uh, Yeah, yeah, her main rival pulled out. Yeah, main main rival pulled out. She thought she was getting harassed or something.
0: Uh, We've just had a text come through. I'll ignore the first part. But 42 kilometres divided by two, he's running 21 kilometres per hour on the treadmill, and most commercial treadmills only go to 20. So are those settings in Ks per hour, are they? That would make sense.
2: They are in ca- they in Australia, they are in
0: Ks. You go overseas. There you go. Your yeah, treadmill can't you go. go fast enough to keep up with them. With both Kipdom and uh, Chipkoge. Unbelievable. So there you go. Uh, we've got... A lot more, though, to discuss on Olympic Front, and I can't wait for Louise Savard to join us a little bit later on. My fun fact, for what it's worth, and I, I have thrown this upon you guys without warning, so I'll mm. give you a bit of time to to think of a few. But in 1912... So, Loz, you were only 40. a youngster <laughs> 14. then. Fourteen. <laughs> Jim Thorpe, a Native American, had his running shoes stolen the morning of his Olympic track and field events. He found... A mismatched pair of shoes in the garbage, and ran in them me to win joking. two Olympic gold medals. Okay, let's hang on a second. Let's just—I just. This is an
2: example of over time the myth grows. Have you ever looked there's in a? a, a you, picture. There's a picture of his mismatched ever, shoes. Have you ever looked in a bin and found a pair of a pair of joggers? Ever in your life? That's brilliant if it's true. But even if it's not as brilliant anyway, the story's magnificent. But this is a, mate, how the story grows. Yeah. Have you ever seen two pairs of shoes in a garbage bin? <laughs>
0: no, I haven't. <laughs> but I wasn't around in 1912 <laughs> to I'll, I'll tell you one. I love I'll, it though. I'll tell I love you
1: one, a, a fun fact. Well, I know it's a fun fact, but I Just was at fact. the 2000 Olympics.
2: What did you find in the bin?
1: I didn't find anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we were out Sleep there we were binge. out there this day and one of the the events on was the walking. And I thought, oh well, it's walking. I won't get excited by by walking. Yeah. And I think the lady's name was Jane Savile. And she was walking into the stadium and they had it on the big screen. Of course. Walking into the big screen. And she's in front, so everyone is just up and excited, which I didn't think would happen for a walking event, you know. But yeah. we're there and we're watching her come. anyhow, she's about to wa- uh, come down the ramp into the stadium. And because she, she you, you, how many red cards are allowed? The paddle. Three. The, she paddle. Was given red, the red paddle. Yeah, it's a red paddle. A bloke just comes out, and because you're only allowed, say, four, she was on three. Just red cards are or red paddles are as she's coming down the ramp into the stadium to win the event. Disqualified. Oh no. The heartbreak in that stadium was like none I've ever witnessed before. Everyone was deflated.
0: Mate. Least of which was Jane.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it it was Jane Savile. Yes. Yeah. And and that was a shattering moment. And and you could see the emotion in her face she was just that upset as were everyone in the stadium mm. and that was a moment that i remember as vividly as cathy's yeah being there for her winning the 400 what's your favorite event like are you a, do, you like the running. Do you like oh, I the like swimming? the running. Yeah. Oh, I love running and swimming, obviously. Yeah. But if there's an Australian that's doing well, obviously. Yeah. You just jump Turn on onto board. that. Yeah. yeah okay. Like if it's high jump or long jump or, mm. not that we've had too many win, but you know, there's <coughs> I, I, something about the hundred meters, two hundred, four hundred. Yeah. We just.
0: <laughs> I can't help but laugh at the text that's just oh come through. Gosh. And I think it's a fair point. Oh, my point. God. A fair point. Oh, my Clarkie, God. there would be shoes in the bins at the Olympics. Okay.
2: Old mate, whoever's just text that, can you imagine what a pair of shoes from an Olympic athlete are worth? I would like to think that if, like... Gold medalist? Well, just anyone. Someone that comes last at the Olympics. Right. I reckon there's more chance, him or her, of giving them to a kid in the crowd than they are throwing him in a bin. But you know what? I'll take that fair point. Maybe that is what's happened. Back in what year? Nineteen nineteen. Someone's twelve. Chucked, nineteen twelve. Someone's chucked or a couple of people yeah. thrown their shoes in the bin and he's picked. Just happened to pick up one of each size that seemed to fit perfectly, <laughs> and off he goes. So I'm, I'm, okay, I'm it's going. Not an urban I'm myth, going with. I'm going with the story. I'm all. I'm with you,
0: Benny. I'm with you. It's not my fact. <laughs> it's not my fact. Uh, I'm going with Google. A lot have suggested Eric the eel. Uh yeah, I love sure. I love the reference to Anna Mears. Uh, I completely agree. She is underrated as an Olympian, and perhaps we don't reflect upon her career often enough. And maybe I will a little bit later on in the show. We'll go through her resume, and it stands up with any others, no doubt. Uh, but to this moment... The shoes out of the bin to win multiple gold That's medals is currently leading the factoid. Okay. For anyone else, uh, happy to be knocked off top of the tree. It if you can. Uh, uh, Bradbury's, Bradbury's
1: coach's game plan is pretty special.
0: Well, we checked that yesterday. His it coach, Jang, yeah. came up with the strategy, and I agree. It strategy. would have been a touch deflating. To <laughs> oh, it would have well, been a touch deflating.
1: Spending all the money. Just hang back. Just hang back, mate. Just let them fall over. Be excited about running yeah. last. Doesn't y- matter. You're in, yeah. the,
2: you're in prime position. <laughs> you're doing your job if you stay last. If yeah. you stay in last position, you're doing yeah. your job. You're ticking the plan off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surely you've got to come up with a better plan.
1: <laughs> Interesting theory. But yeah. anyway, it worked. That plan Plus, would be plan don't B. Don't knock it, mate. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd use that as plan B, wouldn't you? <laughs> you, would, yeah. you wouldn't have... <laughs> What about
2: the other way, mate? Just take the few out. Yeah. Like, plan A's, yeah. mate, just take the rest of the yeah. field out.
1: Just storm through yeah. the pack and yeah. just use your shoulders. Bump Cause some ruckus. Yeah. That would be plan A, wouldn't it? <laughs> 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 Crash tackle a few first. Well, we shouldn't be complaining, I suppose. Gold is you know gold, winning? mate. That's exactly right. Yep. I haven't got well. a gold medal. No, neither have <laughs> I. Neither of I. And I'd take neither one any our. way possible. Yeah.
0: Good morning, everybody. This is the Big Sports Breakfast. Keep those texts coming through. One in reference to our guest a little bit later on. I love this trivia question. Who is the only Olympian to win gold at marathon, mid-distance and sprinting events? Answer, Louise Savage. So Louise will be on a little bit later on. She's taken her talents to coaching and I can't wait to hear who the emerging stars are for later on this year. But Eric the Eel continues to get a good run. Eddie the Eagle at the Winter Olympics. Thank you to Gary in Newcastle for that one. Kieran Perkins, second gold in the 1500 yeah, at Atlanta awesome. from lane eight. That has that had awesome. many references. And I believe, similar to the Michael Jordan flu game, I believe in the lead-up he'd been crook. Oh, really? And that was uh, that was sort of the reasoning for his below-par performance in the lead-up. He ended up qualifying last in lane eight and proved miles too good for them. That really was... He was already one of our greatest ever Olympians, but that really did cap it off. Uh, so keep those suggestions coming through. Eddie the Eagle gets another reference from Nosy Noel, and Eric the Eel thrown in there for good measure as well. NRL season preview time, Los and the Rabbitohs. Where did they finish? Ninth with a 12-12 record last season. A few ins and outs that I'll leave to you in terms of Mm. selection and roster this year. But some big talking points. They always attract plenty of headlines. And let's not forget an off-season ruse in regards to the ownership. A a rumour that went wild uh, that it turns out meant absolutely nothing. What are they doing this year?
1: Well, they're one of the most uh, supported clubs in the and best supported clubs in the competition, so there's always high expectation on the Rabbitohs. But they were one of the big disappointments of last year. I think they led the comp after round 12. Uh, they had plenty of injuries which they had to deal with, and most notably towards uh, most notably uh, Latrell towards the back end of the year. And the other guy I thought they they missed was Tavita totola because I always thought that they may have been one middle short, one big body. And with him missing, I think they were exposed there a little bit. Uh, and they also had disruptions with staff because it seemed like the coaching staff weren't all on the same page so there was leaks coming out of South Sydney and when you're getting leaks coming out of your club it's not good for your football team because the focus is more about what's happening off the field than what is happening on the field but when I look at South this year I think Sean Kippy, he's an underrated player but I think he will fit into this South Sydney system very well, he provides them aggression in defence, he's a big body uh, he'll tighten up the middle, uh, he'll do his work in attack uh, and it adds to their depth and I think if they can keep him on the field Totola on the field, you've got Tom Burgess you've got uh, Haveli, and then you've got some of these young guys like uh, Talis Duncan who, who I think is someone that may have a big year, I think they've got a bit more depth in their team care uh, Murray, you talk about wonderful players he's on the verge of being a a, well he is a superstar already i think cam but you know he's work rate, footwork uh provides quick play the balls for south sydney he's just got everything you look for in a leader but everything you look for in a 13 and he's a guy that never lets his team down and he's the teammate you always want to play with um so i think he's developing all the time you you know the back rowers koloa matangi and jai arrow um Different styles of players, but also very good in their own right. Kaloma Tengi played Origin last year and handled the big stage really well. So I think they, well, they definitely improve. Uh, their backline will be as good as anyone when they're fully fit. You know, if if they go with a, a lineup of what Mitchell, Johnson, Whiten, um, Campbell Graham, hopefully he's not out for six months of the season, but hopefully comes back earlier. Uh, Tyrone Munro. Cody Walker and Lachlan Ilias, that's as good a backline as you'll have in any competition. I thought last year young Lachlan Ilias was unfairly targeted and treated at times. Yes, there's a lot of pressure on young halves coming into the system, but I think they also need time to develop. And I think over time, and I think this year, with another season under his belt, um, I think he'll have a big year. And he was unfairly compared to Adam Reynolds last year. But I think he's a really good player. I think he'll be more than uh, capable of leading the South Sydney team this year. Um, I think he's got a good kicking game. He's solid in defence. He takes a line on when he needs to uh, and helps take away a bit of pressure off Mitchell and Cody Walker. So all in all, I, I look at the South Sydney team, 12-12, and 12, not good enough for them. They should be winning, you know, twelve to sixteen games this year. Well actually more than twelve. That they should be winning, you know, fourteen to sixteen games. That they should be squarely uh, looking at or firmly looking at finishing in the top four with that roster. I, I, I see them playing good football. I think Kepi and Whiten have been big pickups for them. They haven't lost too many players. They're a settled team. Jason Demetrio has had a couple of years there now. Um, and this is a, a year for them to show us what they've really got.
0: How much pressure is on Jason, in your opinion?
1: Uh, well, I think they've just recently re-signed him, and we know that contracts can be torn up at any stage. But I think given where they're coming from last year, there's got to be a bit of pressure on. But I think no doubt he can coach. He took them to what, with one game of a grand final the previous year, Um They were leading the comp after 12 rounds last year. So he's obviously got ability and they all respect him. Um, But if you're running last or in the bottom four after round 12 or 13, you're under under the pump. And if you don't play finals football, the expectation for South would be to finish in the top eight. Yes, you would be under pressure. But I I think, well, you'd like to think that South Sydney, with a good off-season behind them, with all the disruptions they had and with all the drama coming out of their camp last year, then they would have bunkered down, they would have worked out their issues and they're all on the same page. And if they're all on the same page, they have an injury-free run um, and don't lose too many key players, I, I think they're in for a really good year.
0: How do they limit the noise at South? Win?
1: It's pretty simple. Yeah. It? Like In all sport, in all sport you always talk about a culture and I've been a part of footy teams where your culture, so to speak, um, is all about what you do on the field. And you could be having blokes out on the drink, you can have blokes fighting at training, you can have blokes turning up late, but if you're winning, you know what? People overlook that. It's not to say that's a good culture either, by the way, but it just takes the focus off your team. People don't tend to look into why a team is winning they tend to look into why a team is losing. And then if you've got that bad culture, then you get exposed for that. And I think we've all been a part of it, where, you know, yes, you want to make sure that everyone's on the same page and doing the right thing, but in footy clubs, when you're dealing with 40 young blokes, 50 young blokes, you're always going to have issues along the way. You're never going to have a a season where you don't have any hiccups. But some hiccups uh, are kept private, and for some reason, some clubs just tend to leak a lot more. It wouldn't be a footy club in AFL, Rugby League, Rugby Union that go through a year without an incident. But some clubs are very good at keeping it in-house.
0: Some leak like a sieve. Yes. Who likes, who's the leakiest sieve in Rugby League?
1: West. Oh, well, their track record the last couple of years. And again, it's because you're losing. Yeah. You know, when you lose, everything comes out. In the wash. It
0: papers over the cracks, doesn't Mm. it? All right, that's the Rabbitohs for season 2024. We'll see at the end. Are you held to account on this front? Well, I did my top eight, yeah. But retrospectively, do we do an end-of-season Loz review?
1: Yeah, I think I had six out of eight this year playing finals, so... Beautiful. That's not a bad strike rate,
0: Benny. Great to have your company here on the Big Sports. Brekkie Laurie Daly, Michael Clark, and Benway taking you through the morning. Evan Priest will join us very shortly. Keep those suggestions coming through when it comes to those Olympic memories and the facts. I do have another fun fact for you, Loz. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling you may enjoy this one, even if you don't, just pretend you did. Tarzan competed in an Olympics. So, Johnny Weissmuller mm-hmm. was an actor who played Tarzan in 12 movies, but originally he was an athlete. He won five gold medals in swimming in the 20s. So, technically, Tarzan, albeit a fictional character, has competed in the Olympics. You know what? I've heard that story before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't believe it at the time when someone told do you, me. Well, do you you don't need to believe it now that I've told you either. <laughs> you can continue with that theme if you like. There you go. So, Tarzan. Johnny Wise-Muller. He swing on the ropes, was he? Evidently, yeah. yes. Well, it would make sense, wouldn't it? Olympic gold medalist swimming. Very strong shoulders, yep. very strong arms. I don't think he did a lot of actual swinging no. in the movies, but... <laughs> we've we've had lots of we've had lots of fun facts coming through. I, there is one that I wanted to read out here. So uh, one weird fact that I read was in regards to artists and musicians. Apparently, at one point in the Olympic history, they competed in several categories. But where was this text? There it was from Dave, and I just wanted to clarify the point because yesterday and today we've sort of been laughing at the tactics applied by. Bradbury, and that may have been misinterpreted as us thinking that, you know, this was a fluke gold medal. Mm. For what it's worth, there is no such thing as a fluke gold medal. Queenslander Dave, he sent through, come on, guys, have you never seen an interview with Bradbury? The years and hours of training, blood, sweat, and tears to actually get there. Yes, he wasn't as fast as the others, but he put himself in a position to win a gold medal. And Bradbury's top three memorable gold medals Ever. There's no argument from us there. We're well aware of the work that Bradbury's put in to get to that point. We were just having a chuckle that at one point his coaches sat him down and said our tactic is to sit a distant last. And wait for everyone to fall over. And wait for a fall. I can't
1: think of any other sport where your coach would tell you that instructions. Can you
0: come up with a sport? No, maybe in regards to a motorsport, an enduro-type event, not necessarily last, but you may well be told to yeah, save, you know your tyres, save your tyres, save your... Well, yes,
1: tell a road bike rider, listen, can you ride? Yep, I'll use you to do so many laps, just hang at the back. Like, where's the competitive nature coming into
0: it? Mm. Well, it's just tactical, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, clearly he was very yeah, good. <laughs> you don't get <laughs> into, <laughs> you don't get into I, an I Olympic can't, final. I know, oh, but it just doesn't on, sound hang great. Hang on a second,
2: hang on a second. Hang, well, yeah. give you another sport. I think we've got to, I think, again, like you do, I know what you're doing here. This is like, we're making it very clear. We are not disrespecting
0: No. You. To qualify for the Olympics. When you say you know what, <laughs> I, no, I'm not doing no, it. Okay. I read, I read okay. out a text.
2: I know what we're all trying to do. It's like, I know. okay let's start the that we are not disrespect we have ultimate respect he's got something that we all dream of having he has 100%. got an olympic gold medal start there but didn't the same thing happen in the semi final yes yes okay so
0: <laughs> actually i don't know that the same thing did happen in the semi i think it did but in the lead up to the semi my understanding is the that... tactics were the same no, my understanding is a couple of the skaters were disqualified, and that's what got him into the semi-final.
2: Okay, so do you reckon he? Do you reckon Bradbury was so proud to qualify to make it to the Olympics? Do you reckon that oh, was his, that was his most definitely highest achievement? That was that was like the dream for him. Well, no one had him winning. Think, no one had him winning. Well, I don't think either. he would have had himself
1: no. winning gold. No. So I, I think we we're, we're not. Yeah, I'm just, just finding it hard. Well, not hard to believe, but I'm just thinking: if you went into a tournament and your coach says, "Listen, we mate, we want you to lose. Yeah, just just run at Always the back and yeah, not lose, but run. Someone last. else will stuff <coughs> trip this up and we'll
0: we'll win it from that hundred meters. sprint. I'm just wondering how that goes. Usain Bolt, you and reckon, you I can't think of you any same other bol- sport. Well, bolt, look at the suggestions coming mm. through. Everyone referencing horse racing. Sit last. Let them overdo it up front. Does that steam happen? Over has, the that, top?
2: has that happened at all the time in in a in a major event where you got the best, let's say Melbourne Cup, you got the best horses. Is there one trainer that is saying to so their Everest, jockey, uh, "Yeah, is it Everest? You're not out saying, their back." Oh, yeah, but that, that's
1: different. That's different. That horse racing's different. But you're not going to say to a jockey on a horse, "Listen." We've got no hope here. Well, I don't just, know just sit enough back, about mate. horses. Just sit back Would you do that if they at all fall Cup over? That's what you're hoping. No, you're not no, cheering if no, they fall no, over. No, no, I'm not saying that, but that's what happens. I'm saying that's what happened in the ice skating. They said, we'll wait because they'll fall over. Here, you're waiting for a run. You're waiting for them to overdo it, whatever. But that's not falling over.
2: Are you doing that at Mel- in a Melbourne Cup when you got all the best horses coming together? Is one trainer telling his jockey? Why am I being a talent. Just, just a question.
0: <laughs> it <And> feels <laughs> like an accusation. <laughs> yeah, just a question. Like in the
2: Everest, mate. Just, just stay here. I want you just to. I want you to not jump out of the gates. Mm. I want you just to hang right back out of everyone's
1: way. And I get there's back markers and everything in horse racing, but horse racing is different to
0: ice skating over. How many laps is it? Nine. Nine for the 1,000 metres on a short track like he won, I believe. So Craig Stevens was suggested. I love that suggestion, by the way. He's the one that sacrificed himself to help Ian Thorpe win gold in Athens in 2004. Remember, he was disqualified at the trials, so Thorpe wasn't going to be in the event. Craig Stevens was in the event. He pulled out. And pulled out so that Thorpe could go in. That really was a magical Australian moment and everyone should remember Craig Stevens' name because that is the Olympic spirit, I reckon. Evan, great to have you on the show. As always, Live Golf in Vegas, the week of the Super Bowl. That must have been a decent place to be in the world the past seven days or so. Yeah,
3: Benny, thanks for that. I'm still not getting over that intro, by the way. That is absolutely fantastic. But um, yes, Live Golf in Vegas, it was incredibly ambitious to go. Uh, not up against the Super Bowl, but in the same week as the Super Bowl, same city. And they actually did surprisingly well. They got a few sports gamblers out there, some, some uh, people drink, walking around drinking cocktails. And it actually was a, a decent event in the end. And um, uh, Dustin Johnson won it, and, and it was a fantastic tournament. So uh, really interesting. I think, I think Liv is struggling for a bit of traction in the States, but it looks like they found a bit of synergy with Las Vegas. I think it's perfect for Liv's Loud music and and gambling and drinking vibe, and uh, it it all all went smoothly there.
1: Well, it wasn't good for the Phoenix Open, the gambling and drinking vibe. (laughs) (laughs) No,
3: Loz, that was... I mean, did did I not warn you guys on the show last week? You know, just just watch this tournament. Don't worry about the golf. um, At at one point, there was a a bloke who, you know, they they shut off the alcohol sales on the Saturday, uh, much to the dismay of all the fans on the ground, and then someone apparently said... Well, all there is to do now is just watch golf. So, <laughs> it, so, it's, um, there were blokes falling over, slipping in the mud. You, I don't know if you saw some of the videos on social media, literally looking like they'd been concussed and just stumbling around. Uh, at one point, there was a, it was a bloke sitting on a stool who didn't realize he was peeing himself, and... It was just bedlam, and it's actually sort of driving the, um, the controversy train at the moment. Like, you know, has the Phoenix Open crossed the line into something that's a bit of embarrassing and not really a golf tournament anymore? But, jeez, it was good fun to watch.
2: Wow. Buddy, we've got Tiger Woods back this weekend. Uh, what can we expect?
3: Yeah, just not much, to be honest, Clarkie. Uh, I, I've been watching – usually I'm at, I'm at this tournament at Riviera, but um, – He's, his body just looks a bit slow and stiff, and the goal swing, like he's not getting through the ball properly. And if he makes the cut, I'd be really surprised. He hasn't played, and I think it's over. He played at the hero, and he played okay, but he came last in an 18-man field. So I don't expect Tiger to make the cut, Sally. He just doesn't have enough reps, and that body looks nice. and It looks very you know, stiff and slow and sore. So not too much from the big cat. But uh, we, we always wait and hope, don't we?
0: Certainly do we do, and we cheer for the Aussies as well. So, who's in the mix?
3: Yeah, we've got Cam Davis, Jason Day, and Adam Scott. Um, Adam is really the only Aussie that seems to play well at Riviera, despite the fact it actually really does look like an Aussie course. It's got some eucalypts and whatnot. Adam's a two-time winner at the event, um, and, and he's he's coming into some form. He was tied eighth at the Phoenix Open last week, actually. So. He's one of my bets this week, and uh, and, I, and I really feel um, I, I think he could maybe not win. I don't think Adam Scott's ready, ready to win just yet, but I think he's going to go close. What's the story
1: with Adam Scott having to write a letter asking for a sponsor's invitation?
3: Yeah, so, so uh, Loz, Adam Scott didn't finish in the top 50 on the FedEx Cup last year, so uh, basically that was the cutoff for, for the top blokes to get into all these twenty million US $20 million, by the way, $20 million events on the PGA Tour, this week, the Genesis Invitational, it's one of them. So he wasn't eligible despite being a two-time winner of the event and had to write a letter to the tournament. First time he's had to do it since he turned pro in 2002. So it's been a while. I, I don't imagine he's, he's even penned any, any kind yeah. of letter to anyone in, in a long time.
0: So if you've got a, an opener like you have for your radio segment and a reputation like yours, we need to be able to turn it into cold, hard cash. So with that in mind, let's get some tips from you.
3: <laughs> thanks, thanks, Benny. I, I, I will point out because uh, Loz told me you always got to pat yourself on the back. Yes, Started at the gala last week, I, I did mention him for a top ten at four dollars. He he went close to winning the event, so that was a nice little four four dollar one there for the punters. But Sam Burns and, I, and I'm told, uh, Classy, I'm I'm told that. Um, Lo- Loz has a bit of a history with Sam Burns. Burns um, is his favourite, buddy. Mm. His no, favourite. I just
1: reckon Burns he'd be regretting not going to live, that's all. So well, not so much Burns, but the wife.
2: Yeah, and we've got a little bet. If Burns wins a major, mm. Loz will do this show naked. So and we're all cheering. on I was going to say we're all cheering Bernsey on, but I think really we're all hoping Burnsy doesn't win a major. Usually, <laughs>
0: usually a bet even involves a bookmaker or some other party. Lows has had that bet with himself yeah. for no reason at all, and he's praying Burnsy wins. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> anyway, uh, what, go, go each like? way with him. Anyway, but. Um, <laughs> Sam Burns, I really like him actually to win this week. I was looking at the bets, looking at the odds, and nothing strikes out at me until I get to Sam Burns. He's been playing really well. He's got three top tens in a row on the PGA tour. Really looks like he's just about to win. Serious ball striker and has played well at Riviera before. So he's paying $26 to win, and I'd even go $6 on him for a top five. Um, Max Homer's a local guy from LA, won the tournament in 2021, was second to John Rahm last year. Um, I don't really like him to win at $14 because he's not playing good enough golf. But I do like him for a top five at $3.60. So he missed, the, he missed the cut last week at the Phoenix Open, punters might point out. But I think that's a good thing. I think he got a weekend off from being yelled at by the frat boys. Um, and then you got uh, Adam Scott, top Aussie. Um, the other two Aussies just don't play well enough at Riviera. Adam's got a big history with Riviera. So Adam Scott, top Aussie at $2. And I'd also go on Adam um, for, for a top... Five at six dollars. So those are my bets there, and then hopefully uh, at least one of them comes off. Love it. As you know, there'll be plenty of accountability,
0: but we'll make sure to follow (laughs) you in and cheer you on. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, guys. Yes, this is the big sports breakfast. Kath from Inverell Morning, boys. Basically, any time we beat the Americans in an Olympic event is awesome, but one of the best was the 4x100m men's freestyle relay in the 2000 Olympics. Here, here. Prior to the race, as many of you would know, the Yanks said they would smash us like guitars, and our lads, including Thorpe's heroic last 50, magnificently got the job done. And who would forget that image of the boys standing there at the top of the blocks? playing their air guitars Mm. and really rubbing it in the faces of the Americans. Most of them are coming through with an Australian theme, but I'm happy to hear any international moments for that matter. We have had a few more come through, so I'll make sure to read them out. But a lot of people requesting, and this is one for our producers out the front, a lot suggesting that we need to get Stephen Bradbury on the show. Now, it's not going to happen today, but I think... uh, Love, would, him would love, love him, to him chat on. To Bradbury. Apparently, he's one of the great motivational speakers. So yeah. he he would be a fantastic chat. Mm. You'd need to. You guys would need to be a little more respectful of his. Oh, excuse me, mind. excuse
2: <laughs> me. I've made it very loud and proud that he's got something that we could only dream of having—a gold medal. Doesn't matter how you get there. He's got it. So yeah, I think that as. You had to explain because of your choice of words, your respect. I was clarifying your (laughs) position. I was very
0: comfortable with how I had worded it. We want
2: his coach on as well, don't we,
0: Loz?
1: I just want to find out why they wanted to go down that path. How amazing.
0: Amazing tactics. Anjang would be a great interview. That could be a little bit tougher for the, the lads to source. But... Uh, We'll leave that with them. Johnny Weissmuller, so a clarification on, I don't know whether you heard us talking about Tarzan, the bloke who, he was an actor that played Tarzan, Mm -hmm. and he also won Olympic gold medals. So technically Tarzan has competed in the Olympics. Uh, But a clarification that Johnny Weissmuller won five gold medals for swimming, a bronze for water polo, and was in 16 jungle gym movies (laughs) as well, plus TV shows. And was married five times. Well, there you go. I'm keeping up his pace, so I better not throw stones. Uh, just having a look at some of the fun facts that are coming through as well. Yes, Loz, you've got to... A- no,
1: no, no. I'm not going anywhere near Okay, some good. of the things you're mentioning. Good. Mm.
0: So, which one of these former Olympic sports would you endeavour to bring back if you had the opportunity? So, these are no longer part of the Olympics, but they were at some point. Solo synchronized swimming, tug of war, tug of war, yeah, rope climbing, hot air ballooning. Oh my god! None. Dueling pistol, tandem bicycle, a swim- tandem bicycle, a swimming obstacle race. I quite li- like this one. A plunge for distance. So, how far that- down you can go? Yes. How long- I quite uh, ho- like that. Holding your breath. I assume so. How deep you can get. I assume so. No,
2: someone will pass away. I don't want and that. And
0: thankfully, and we're not suggesting this You know one. when you
2: try and challenge your cousin or your mate in the pool and yeah. you, you get lightheaded, you just go a little too far. Your ears far. are about to pop. Oh, but you're about to drown. Yeah. <laughs> get up, quick.
0: You've got to do it in the shallow end. You can't do it in the deep end. And in 1900, I'm glad this isn't a thing not anymore. Not real competitive. They had live pigeon shooting. You okay. got one shot in nineteen. None of the are so Im- not bringing want, that back. I don't want any of them back. Well, tug I think the plunge for distance or the tug of war. Someone will drown. Tug of war. Imagine four huge Aussie blokes in a tug of war against no. you. Know, four. No? no. Strongman
1: comp, see? Yeah, we've already got that. Yeah, but bring it back. Olympic. Bring what? back the rope. Yeah. Bring it back.
0: Speaking of strong men, Adam <laughs> Pengilly. I don't know whether he would quite sneak into our top four for the um, tug of war at Olympic level, but... It's great to have you on the show, Adam, and we've got some great racing coming up over the next few days. Talk to me about the Expressway Stakes.
4: Yeah, morning, Ben. Morning, boys. Um, well, It looks like Buenos Noches' race, doesn't it, Ben? To, to be fair, the final field was drawn yesterday, only a small field with seven runners, and we know what he did last preparation, graduating to the, the Tab Everest and running really well down the straight there at Flemington, his final run of the campaign. He's come up pretty short with tab.com.au at the moment, but... Sort of hard to see which way you're you turning that race. Obviously, King of Sparta he had his annual benefit race on the Gold Coast for the Magic Millions this year. Had to be refreshing up since then. He's dangerous, but he wants a, a really, really dry track. So, on class alone, those who like the look like the two to beat. Having said that, they'll both get probably back in the field in a, in, a, in a small sort of small field and maybe a moderately run race. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that plays out on Saturday. But certainly it looks like a really nice race for Buenos Northcote to kick off his campaign on a, on a winning note. Yeah, not the first time and
1: it won't be the last time that a rider's been taking, uh, taken off a horse. Uh, Stormboy's got a new
4: rider. I feel so sorry for Adam Hieronymus, Loz. Um, you're right, it's the business of racing and when we have massive operations like Cornwall getting involved and spending you know, tens of millions of dollars to, to buy a Colt, they're going to want to have a say on, on who rides the horse in the big races. But you look at what Adam's done so far on, on the horse in his, in his young career to date, and he's done nothing wrong. I thought he's riding the Magic Millions was absolutely inch perfect because that horse didn't quite launch out of the gates um, as quickly as maybe he could have. But he didn't panic. He, he obviously allowed him time to come across and then got him into a nice rhythm, and he's just far too good from on the day. So... It looks like he's definitely lost the ride to James McDonald at this stage. J Mack will partner Stormboy in the trials at Rose Hill this morning, um, probably be on for the skyline, and then they'll make a decision heading towards the Golden Slipper. But you'd imagine if Switzerland and Stormboy, who are both primarily owned by Coolmore, feature in the Golden Slipper in a few weeks' time, one of them will be ridden by James McDonald, the other one ridden by Ryan Moore. So where that leaves Adam, I'm not too sure. But yeah, tough game, isn't it, Loz?
1: Uh, It is, but I think he'll pick up a a ride on one of Gay or Adrian's, won't he? They they should have plenty in there. Yeah, he'll have to. And and,
4: and let's be honest, like Stormboy, at this stage looks like he's clearly the best two-year-old so far, but there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before he gets to the slipper. And who's to say one of Gay or Adrian's won't jump out of the ground in the slipper? They might have five or six in the race. We don't know yet. And there could be an upset. I I, I go back to that... um, Oh, what was the name? of Ben, you think I've forgotten the name of the horse. Kiyomichi, that's right. Uh, Godolphin had one year, had a, had a stack of two-year-olds in the Golden Slipper, and little old Kiyamichi at 20 or 30 to one went round on the wet track, led them up and won, and she was virtually the least fancied out of the whole stables chances in the Golden Slipper. So those sort of things can happen on the big day.
0: Yeah, was that the microphone year? I seem to remember it may have been, but uh, I did notice a few few microphones going around there at the races yesterday, his progeny starting to come through, but that was one of the great race calls. It will never be discussed with the famous race calls, but uh, with all the different hats, all in the same Godolphin blue, how Darren managed to get through that unscathed, they'll never know. Uh, We did have some pretty sad news. Some coming to us from Scone and then of course Jason Collett hurting himself there on the Kenzo track yesterday.
4: But let's start with the barrier trial there at Scone. What happened? Uh, what horrible news Ben this is. Uh, Miracle Love, the, the filly for Paul Massara and Leah Gavronich who was group one placed in a, in a first preparation to JJ Atkins. Had a barrier trial at Scone there yesterday. Had a heart attack just as she was crossing or getting close to the, the finishing post and has unfortunately passed away. So Paul, I think in the stable are devastated. John Massara is obviously devastated. Her breeding was just impeccable, obviously being a, a daughter of Miss and by Dundee. And certainly Arrowfield had sort of earmarked her as the, the filial mare to continue that um, breeding line for, for many, many years to come. And, to get black type on her pedigree so early in her career would have been, you know, very satisfying for them. But unfortunately, she wouldn't be taking on any of those three-year-old races um, this autumn because she's passed away. So just horrible, horrible news for the stable. And Jason Collett is all right? Lucky boy, Loz. Um, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but in the two-year-old race, he was riding a, a horse out in the finish there called Growing Empire. And it just shied or, or took fright at something as they're getting close to the post and ducked out really sharply towards the outside fence and managed to crash through the outside fence, but thankfully no harm was caused to the horse. And Jason had to, I suppose, press the eject button and dismount. And, um, he's a little bit sore, sore and sorry, but, uh, thankfully no, no serious injury. So, yeah, when you ride these two year olds, um, you just don't know what's going to happen, do you? They're still obviously inexperienced. They're still trying to learn their craft, and something obviously caused Growing Empire to, to take fright there yesterday. But thankfully, horse and rider will be okay after that incident.
0: No uh, question without warning, but no early plays for Saturday or anything today. We should keep our eye on.
4: Yeah, having a look tonight. Ben. I did my form for Saturday usually on a Thursday night, so I'll get okay. stuck into that tonight and have a have a couple of a couple of bets for for tomorrow morning. But one thing I will say, boys, before I go, is I, I have I have listened to Stephen Bradbury give a motivational talk before. Have you guys heard him before? I, have, I haven't.
1: No. I haven't,
4: but people uh, have told me he's very good. He was brilliant, Lodge, Absolutely brilliant. This is many, many years ago now, and I won't give away too much, obviously. But um, you know, you don't know what to expect when you get a guy like that. You think, oh, this guy just hung around at the back of a field in the gold medal race and, and won it because everyone else fell down. But the way he told the story was, is that he he, he sort of went through his whole entire career and his whole entire story and. Not a lot of people know. He actually almost died in a, in a freak accident on, on the ice one day. He got lacerated by a skate and lost a ton of blood, lost an absolute heap of blood, and it was quite hairy there for a while. And the moral of his story is, well, I didn't win the gold medal because a bunch of blokes fell down in front of me on the, on the main day. I won it for my perseverance and determination and coming back from a near-death experience. And the fact that I was even there on the start line on that day was enough for me to say, okay, I deserve to, to win this gold medal no matter what happened on the day. So I just thought that was a really great story. And if you can get him on the show, it would be a fantastic interview.
0: There we go. Lads, they know they've got their work cut out, but Bradbury will be on the show. I'm going to make a promise. We'll be on the show at some point in the next couple of weeks. I won't be here and won't be held accountable, so I can make promises like that. Cheers, Adam. Enjoy the day. Thanks, Ben. See you boys.